Hi, I'm Sean Healy, and you're listening to Tools. Hi everyone, Sean Healy, personal development educator and NLP trainer here, and you're listening to episode 120 of Sean Healy Tools, a podcast designed to help us have better quality business and personal relationships through providing tools, strategies, and education for helping us to get the most out of our experience with ourselves and others. So welcome to today's episode, episode 120, Healing from a Toxic Childhood. Um, Again, this is an episode that's in line with some of the requests I've had um, around healing and recovery from um, growing up in toxic family systems. Um, And I wanted to look a little bit again, and I know I've touched on some of this before, around some of the areas of focus that we're going to need in order to heal and recover from um, less than ideal environments um, as as children, you know, um, because sometimes the things that we, the adaption strategies that we took on to survive that space um, now are the things that become very problematic. Our adaptions in our adult life now actually, while they might have protected us and got us through and did an amazing job in the early stages, are now the very things that are getting in the way of us having um, wonderful lives as adults. Uh, Because if um, we grew up in a family system that was maybe there, you know, you had a narcissistic parent or an abusive parent, um, you suffered extreme neglect, um, you had a parent who had a mental illness or an addiction, all of these things mean that you didn't get adequate parenting. You weren't modelled adequate um, and safe um, uh, love, nurture, support and validation, you know. So we're lacking healthy role models. We did the best we could to navigate that environment and, and often that meant that we needed to be hyper vigilant. We had to start becoming perfectionistic, overly obsessive, um, trying to desperately figure out what it was that would get approval from our parents. And that can be extremely hard when what got your approval one day did not get your approval the next. So, you know, we're, we're pedaling frantically um, on mud so to speak, Um, and not being able to get any traction, not being able to get any stability. If we did have pleasurable experiences, we knew they were going to leave us. Um, You know, um, the amount of people I've talked to who, for example, knew that on certain family holidays and festival days, it was always going to end um, in violence or screaming or yelling. And and these things become deeply impactful as they lodge in the mind of a child and we carry that through to um, to being an adult. So that, um, and, and these things can manifest themselves in a number of ways, you know, um, so that we may need a multifaceted approach to uh, recovery because um, we might have multiple trauma triggers. That means that certain situations that most people might even find mildly stressful or not stressful at all, are extremely stressful to us 
So, you know, not only do we have to deal with a with a modern day situation, but we also then have to fight through and re-regulate self just to deal with day-to-day stuff. So it can become exhausting, you know, managing your own brain, managing your own body, um, and keeping yourself on track and consistently showing up for yourself can be a stunningly exhausting experience. You know, um, I've got enough to do managing my internal world, let alone then having to to deal with the external world. Um, We're likely to have chronic relationship issues. You know, if we grew up in an environment that modeled no healthy love, no healthy interaction, no healthy attachment, no healthy nurturing, no healthy acknowledgement, um, if our ideas were constantly dismissed, if we were, you know, um, punished, if we didn't think like our parents wanted us to think, um, then we can have, we can really struggle um, to feel safe in relationship. Relationships, we can desperately want relationship, but find at the same time it's stunningly exhausting, or we end up being attracted to people that are really unhealthy for us, you know, because what we're used to is pain, and, and, and you know, in a weird way, pain is, is uh, familiar. Um, and that leads me to an interesting kind of point that for some of us that we need to look at is those of us who end up as a result of toxic childhoods becoming um, pain addicts or what is sometimes referred to as norepinephrine or noradrenaline addicts, uh, norepinephrine. Uh, norepinephrine and noradrenaline are the same thing. It's just uh, depending on where in the world you are, it'll be called a different name. But this is basically um, the the chemical that puts the brakes on now, you know, um, if we're kind of overstimulated, overexcited, this dampens things down, so to speak. So, um, but what can sometimes happen is if we've we've been repeatedly exposed to moments of joy that were suddenly sharply taken away from us, especially in the first three years of our life, um, we can develop a mechanism where we end up finding that pleasure is actually very anxiety-provoking and we start to sabotage, so to speak, um, or prematurely find a way to end or mute down or avoid any kind of pleasurable experiences. So how this can manifest is, you know, you're chronically late for parties, um, you, you, you get very anxious if you happen to have a professional success or you have a period of, you know, you suddenly surprise yourself by performing in some area and then that's instantly followed with an absolute drop away in your competencies. You you know, you almost sabotage your success. Um, you get very uncomfortable if, if people give you um, compliments. Um, you um, uh, avoid um, pleasure in, in any kind of form. Um, you, you'll feel very uncomfortable with people who are healthy and treat you well. Um, and the kind of the premise can sometimes be that in the back of the mind, unconsciously, you know that the pleasure is only going to be temporarily temporary and it's going to be taken away in some way, shape or form. So it's better that you do the taking away rather than uh, life does that to you or somebody does that to you. I know this is going to, I'm going to lose this. Um, so I might as well control the loss um, before, and I'll chop it off now before I get too much pleasure and enjoyment because that would be even more painful. So um, we, we microdose on pleasure. We avoid having too much of it. We get in the way of our own success. 
we we end up showing up late or avoiding pleasurable experiences altogether or we lose you know somebody gives us an expensive present and within a week we've lost it um, or we've given it away because we feel weird about it um, one of the things that I found interesting for myself was if whenever I went on holidays I would always end up having some mild physical injury um, the last two significant holidays I went on, I worked so hard to get these kind of luxury kind of holiday experiences. And then on both occasions, I um, found ways to injure my my feet. And I'm an avid walker. So what that meant was I could still walk, but my pleasure was muted down because I always had to be mindful about my bandaged foot um, and not doing anything too strenuous now. Um, I couldn't relax too much. I couldn't enjoy things too much because, of course, there was this now these this foot injury in the way. So if you find that it tends to be that there's a pattern of, um, you know, sabotaging your own pleasure or blunting it or, you know, you're having a really beautiful exchange with somebody and then you find you can't help but out of your mouth comes some sort of grenade and then suddenly, you know, the person's reeling back going, what on earth? Did you just say that for? Yeah, um, then you might have to look at kind of whether or not um, there's um, these uh, uh, addiction to pain. You know, pleasure is painful, um, or rather, the loss of pleasure that you you perceive is um, going to be unavoidable is is the thing that you're trying to get away from. So you, then you have to work on slowly desensitizing yourself to pleasure. You have to work through the discomfort of having pleasurable experiences until you can see that as an adult, you know, you're, you're now in control of having pleasurable experiences and, um, you know, keeping them. They, they won't be taken away from you like, you know, in the way that you, you couldn't control as a child. You know, you couldn't stop people from disappearing. You couldn't stop people from suddenly behaving very poorly um, or wrecking your birthday party or whatever it was that, that seemed to happen. Um so uh, whereas as an adult, we've got a lot more choices and options and we don't need to prematurely end pleasure or avoid it the way we used to. But of course, it's going to be uncomfortable getting used to um, uh, pleasure in our lives. You know, that that's going to be uh, something that's very kind of challenging for us as we kind of look at those sort of elements. Um, so apart from, from that sort of thing, um, then we're also looking at um, what else? Well, um, again, remember that the part of how we fitted into our family was to twist ourselves inside out. Um, and any kind of sense where we tried to take control or autonomy or be overly loving or integrous, that might have got squashed really hard. So that the other thing we might have to look at is as we start to reclaim who we are as a person, um, we might have to then deal with you know, that kind of triggering us, um, coming out of kind of the way we survived, the way we stayed attached to people was we effectively became a non-person or hypervigilant um, and codependent. And so it will now be potentially very anxiety provoking um, to start to put self first uh, rather than what was um, encouraged was that we put others first no matter what. Um, so we have to sit in the discomfort, too, of reclaiming who we are and figuring out who that is um, and what we want, learning how to kind of regulate those 
getting more and more aware of our kind of trauma triggers, finding ways to regulate that. Um, and then, of course, there's the good old internal critic that takes up the championing of the ideas and messages that we got from our family system in, in the early days. So we really have to become hypervigilant around our self-talk. Um, so there's a number of things, as I say, that we're looking at kind of um, working through our relational wounds. We're working through um, if we've got um, anxiety around things going well and being pleasurable, pleasurable, we're going to have to work through that. We're going to have to work through our uh, PTSD, trauma-based triggers, even if, you know, you might have a generalized low-grade trauma response. It's not like you're in a fetal position every time something happens, but you find you've got this low-grade anxiety all the time. You're constantly self-editing what you've done. Every time you come out of an interaction, you, you know, very rapidly go back through and self, uh, you know, well, what, what did I say that, that, that could mean that this person will never talk to me again, or what, what, what did I say that was wrong, or would get me into trouble? Um, so these negative self edits, we need to kind of challenge that. We need to recognise and get a more balanced view and start to accept the things we are doing well. Um, we need to drop the perfectionism and start working on just we're good enough. We're, we're good enough, and we're showing up the best we can today, and we'll show up the best we can tomorrow. And bit by bit, we're going to. Um, you know, the triggers ideally are going to get less. They're not going to last for as long. They're not going to be as intense. Our inner, inner dialogue becomes more nurturing and more compassionate. We're sitting in the discomfort of that because, of course, we might feel that we don't deserve that. Um, we're starting to get more clarity on the kind of dynamics that we were exposed to in our childhood. So there's a process of education. There's a process of, and, and what that can often mean is that we're looking at a multifaceted approach to recovery. Um, we're looking at some body-based work. Maybe it's, it's you know, um, people who are kind of constantly triggered sometimes have very rapid, shallow breathing. So we're looking at deep breathing exercises. We're looking at meditation. If our bodies have become chronically tight from hypervigilance, then we might have to instigate massage and stretching techniques um, and, and even just gentle, tender relaxation-style massage or something like um, uh, havening work, um, we then need to find a potentially a therapist who models to us, uh, you know, uh, they, they allow us to grow a sense of trust within that relationship. So that might mean that we're looking for someone who can really model good, you know, we get reparented, we, we, we get to redo the things we missed out on. Um, and we get adequate support from a therapist or therapist, we get, uh, you know, we, we, we work on really having a good, safe support um, group around us in terms of our friendships. Um, we get ourselves educated um, around some of the dynamics that happen to us, especially if we grew up in narcissistic, very abusive, you know, homes, then we need to, I think, uh, the, uh, as painful as it is, having an awareness of what kind of strategies were used against us to get us to comply with the parental figure or figures um, starts to, as I say, the more educated we are, the more we can step outside of what happened and start to make an informed decision of, of how to heal. So we might, you know, also need to get as well as the body work we're doing, we're doing some sort of therapy, EMDR, or whatever it is that resonates with you. You're finding 
um, a, a therapist, a psychologist, a psychiatrist who you can trust and build a relationship with. So you're doing your groundwork and you're prepared to move too. If, if you find somebody who doesn't quite click with you, then you, like any other profession, you move on until you find somebody who, who does really resonate with you and it helps you to heal and repair in relationship. Um, and then sometimes for those of us who are really um, struggling to feel safe in relationship, we start smaller and build up. So that might mean that we spend time in nature, we spend time doing exercise and good self-care routines, we um, surround ourselves with animals, we do equine therapy, um, and you know we might find that it's safer with animals first to start to build up trust, um, our own self-strength, our own belief in our in our in our own value and in our own thinking, because the chances are, if you grew up in an environment where your thinking was discounted continually or disgraded, then you've got to build back up trust in your view of the world. Um, you've got to uh, build um, back into a sense of healthy esteem and self worth, because that might have been, you know, um, people are easy to control when they don't have a sense of their own worth. So you know, intentionally or unintentionally, that may have been stripped of us as a child and, and we need to, to reconnect with those kinds of things. Um, so um, be okay to do what works. You know, there's going to be, and, and again, these are not hard and fast suggestions. These are just some of the areas that I think might be worth looking at. Um, but it's really finding out what works for us, what helps me to, um, you know, really tap into my own sense of self-compassion and, and have a more internal, a compassionate, um, productive internal dialogue that helps me get somewhere rather than the, the, the toxic ridicule, ridicule and perfectionistic um, uh, belittling that I would constantly get from my internal dialogue. So I'm able to set both, I'm getting better at boundary setting both internally and externally. Um, and I'm able to sit in, in because when we first do that, that that too can be highly anxiety producing. Um, but we're talking about kind of healthy anxiety, so to speak. We're, we're, we're going to be in pain either way. So we might as well, um, you know, sit in the mild discomfort and anxiety um, or perhaps significant anxiety that around setting boundaries, around standing up for self, you know, and reminding ourselves that it wasn't like when we were a child um, because, you know, what that might remind us of is when we were a child and somebody just absolutely steamrolled over us back then. But that's that's not likely to happen now because we're not a little child anymore. We're an adult. Um, and like I said, that we really are reaching out and getting support um, from um, from people around us to continue to grow. Um, and then we're sitting very, I think, unfortunately, you know, it is what it is when we're in recovery from these things, but we have to set pretty rigorous boundaries around making sure that our self-care and our self-soothing comes from uh, healthy means because there can be a tendency to um, end up uh, self-nurturing through addictive processes. And anything that's done to an obsessive degree um, ends up, you know, obsessive self-soothing where enough is never enough. I, I can never eat enough. I can never drink enough. I can never smoke enough. I can never take enough drugs. I can never get enough uh, attention. I can never get enough validation. I can never be productive enough. All these things where we, you know, we've got to learn when enough is enough. Um, um, so 
I could go on for, for quite some time here, but um, I, I think I've uh, hopefully we haven't overloaded you by jumping around too much. But those are some of the areas that definitely need focus. And like I said, this is where I think sometimes a multifaceted, um, multidisciplined approach, one uh, one that, you know, um, works on your spirituality, one that works on you resetting your thinking and one that works on you resetting your body um, might be um, one way you can approach it. Um, and sometimes we're going to need to do more of one of those areas than others. Um, but I think that that's not a bad way to kind of go about things. Um, and ask around. Ask people what, what, what you know, they've they got out of certain things. But remember, you are you and they are they. And um, sometimes what works really well for one person is not going to be as effective um, for another. And so we just keep moving around until we do find the things that really, really work uh, for us to you know and and we're not expecting it's a work in progress um and as long as we're moving in the right direction and surrendering we will you know we're not getting into the shoulds i should be fixed by now i shouldn't this shouldn't bother me anymore i should be resolved here i should love myself more the shoulds are very very dangerous rather than i'm doing the best i can today um, i'm showing up the best i possibly can for me today um and that's that's all i need to do day in and day out um, bit by bit um, and I'm, I'm working my way into to even more loving and even more healthy experiences, um, both internally and externally. So I hope the episode offers some help and some insight. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, as always, if you've been following along with the show for a long period of time, my profoundest gratitude to you. If you've just joined us, a heavy episode, I, I think, but hopefully it's of some value. And um, I really hope that you can take some things uh, away from the episode. Um, if you want to, um, how you can support the show is uh, by going to iTunes, download, subscribe, and leave a five-star review as it makes it easier for others to uh, to find the show. And I think any tools that help us to um, get the most out of our living experience in whatever time we have on this planet um, is well worth it. It's um, not just my material, but there's plenty of amazing stuff out there to explore. Um, so, um, please, uh, yeah, as I say, um, iTunes, um, or, um, Stitcher or Podbean, um, and there are other, po uh, other podcast mediums on which the show is available, as well as at the website, emergencetraining.com.au. Um, check us out. Um, I do one-to-one -one work, um, remotely or in person, and also I run, um, public and in-house trainings around um, human interaction dynamics. So uh, all of the things that, all the games that people play um, and how we can get more out of the kind of relational experiences that we have. So if you're curious about any of that, um, please visit the website. Um, and of course, we've also got the Sean Healy Relationship Resourcing Series on YouTube. So by all means, pop across to YouTube, subscribe, check out some of the episodes there because um, I really am very passionate um, around uh, fostering self-awareness and self-education. Um, as I say, for what purpose? So we can have more uh, joy in our lives and get more of what we want. So once again, thank you for listening to the episode. And until we're with each other on an ep another episode, bye for now.